Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We think about somebody that was a, a notoriety of some sort, somebody that was a household name, somebody that could go out there and speak about what we have done, our philanthropical endeavor that we have undertaken to do that's going to help mankind. We would want somebody that could go out there and put it out there really, really, really bold. We hope you find this message encouraging. But a very familiar portion of scripture to you about the Christmas story. And it's in Luke chapter 2, and they're going to have it on the screen for you, but if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, you'd be more than welcome to. The title of the message is, you, I think you saw it up there, Shepherds? Big question mark at the end of that. The subtitle for this one would be a little longer, and that is, Who Would You Pick? Luke chapter 2. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the, during the time of the Roman rule, and the Roman Empire stretched literally mo- over most of the known world at that time. Went all the way from Asia all the way to Great Britain under one rule, under one leader, the Caesar, or the emperor in this case. Same word, same, same word applies to the same person. Uh, and it was Augustus, and he decreed that a census ought to be taken. And in parentheses here, the little parenthetical statement that says, and this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria, Okay. Why all those details? As we studied through, started studying through the book of Acts, uh, and we'll pick that back up. Uh, I think we're ready for chapter 14, and we'll, we'll take up after the first of the year. But the one thing that Luke set out to do was give a historical account. Sometimes in this day and time, people want to lay it off that the Bible is just a fable. It's just a story. It's just a long-time storybook that people put together. And what Luke wanted to do is, is in his writing, all these thousands of years later, that he wanted to set out and give an accurate account of what happened. In other words, as we, as we were going through, those of you that were here for the book of Acts, we talked about it at great length. Every time Luke gives us a, a setting, he gives a context of a time and people involved. And there was a certain person in a certain place at a certain time, and it happened this way. Stuff that should anybody want to disprove that this Bible is truth, they could go back and say, oh, wait a minute. It was during the reign of Augustus, Caesar, and it was during the time when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and there was a census taken. Wow, imagine that, that we can go back and prove it. Somebody say amen. The word is true. Amen. Let every man be a liar. God is true. So, He gives us the context of time and places and people that could be tracked down and talked about and talked to to make sure that this was an accurate historical account. And all returned to their own ancestral towns. And this was, you know, if your family was from a certain town to begin with, you had to go back there to be registered. And that's why during this time when it wasn't really good for traveling, uh, the seasons tend to run concurrent. And Israel with here, still do, for the most part. 
So whenever it's winter here, it's winter there. And so if you start thinking about the time involved, now, again, I've, I've shared this before. I, I, I don't think December 25th was the actual day that Christ was born on. Some of you might get bent out of shape on me at that, but I tend to think by the proofs that you can look up that it was probably closer to the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah, which is actually around the, usually around the 25th of September. Okay? So still, in the fall of the year, and it would have been a time when traveling wasn't really good, weather could get bad, things were going on, you needed shelter, and so everybody's traveling. And here is Mary, just in the last term of her pregnancy, she is about to give birth, but yet they've got to go because it's the law, all the way up to the Roman Caesar that commanded that the census be taken. And so they were going to their hometown, Joseph's hometown, and because Joseph was a descendant of David, uh, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. This is not an extremely long track, but for a pregnant lady, uh, probably so. And all the ladies said, amen. Painted childbearing is part of it, and I'm sorry, but it happens. <laughs> when my wife was in her ninth month, uh, it, it would have been tough, a tough trip, even a few miles. So, um, David's uh, ancient home was Bethlehem. They had to go there. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to uh, her first son, her first child, a son, and wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. They swaddled him, Okay. Any of you ever had to swaddle your baby? Oh, it helped so much. Hannah, uh, when she was born, she, uh, she was very comfy and cozy. She was a big baby, and so evidently she needed to be swaddled. We couldn't get her satisfied any other way. I'd lay her down there, and it was just like a football. Put her out in the middle of it, wrap that thing up. And, I mean, I'd have her swaddle so tight, and Angie said, oh, that's too tight. And Hannah, she'd just snuggle up and go to sleep. <laughs> so they, uh, they swaddled him. And because there was no lodging available for them, in other words, everybody has traveled during this time of census, and everybody booked up the hotels. They got on, you know, Hotels.com and uh, Expedia or one of those places, and they booked the rooms ahead of time, and Joseph didn't think that far ahead. So they get there, and all the rooms are taken. And all of a sudden, here they are needing this, needing this cover, this this uh, place to, to, to bed down, and she's going into labor. So this is a bad deal, okay? And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields. Before we get into that, there were shepherds. Bethlehem was a shepherding site. And this was something that I read recently that I found very, very interesting, just a little food for thought, no way to prove it actually. But close by to Bethlehem, was the watchtower of Migdal. Not that that means anything to you at this particular moment, but it will maybe after I explain this. There was a certain pasture, a certain area, where all of the uh, lambs that were going to be used in temple worship, in other words, the sacrifices, were raised in a certain area. Okay? Now, nowadays... People have bred livestock to where they give birth usually in the late spring or into the early summer. That way, whenever winter comes, 
um, the babies are old enough that they don't have a hard time through the cold weather. At this time, though, and you can look this up for yourself, but the sheep, the, the, the kind of sheep that these shepherds were raising were called fat tail sheep or broad tail. We'll go with broad tail. Sounds better. Um, so they were broad tail sheep, and they would always give birth in the late fall, early winter. So this was a time whenever the shepherds would have been out in their fields. Otherwise, if the sheep were big enough to fend for themselves, they wouldn't have been out there. Because these sheep, the broad-tailed sheep, were given birth during this time, they were all out there. And they had a watchtower that watched out over this certain, certain big pasture. And that's where all the little lambs were born that would be used in temple worship. There are some that surmise that whenever they could not find a a room in Bethlehem proper, that they probably went outside the city looking for refuge, and that it was very possible that they actually lodged near this pasture with the watchtower of Migdal looking down on them. And I think it's easy to see that Jesus was the sacrificial lamb born in the right place to be a sacrificial lamb. I don't know about you, kind of turns my crank to think about that and how God plans everything out to the most minute detail that Jesus was born in the place to where he would have been considered born a sacrificial lamb. Okay, that's just a little little extra there. It didn't cost you anything, okay? So uh, they have found refuge. The baby is born, and that night... There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. Why? Because all their flocks were giving birth, guarding their sheep. And suddenly an angel appeared among them. We've read this so many times that it just like, it's like 747 over our heads. Put yourself in that spot. They have been out there probably for days now. They have probably, some of them, some of the older shepherds had done this for years. Not one time had an angel appeared to them. There's a reason that the angel is about to tell them, don't be afraid. Because what happened was the angel appeared, and how would you react if you're out there in the middle of the night and poof, an angel appears. And you're hoping it's not the the angel of death. Amen. Oh, my number's up. (laughs) You're just hoping that. And so suddenly this angel appears and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. So it's not just a person there in the night. There is a radiance that is all around them and it surrounds them. And they were terrified as we would probably be as well. And the angel's first words to them was the first words that he gave to Mary whenever Gabriel appeared to her is, Do not be afraid. The Lord does not want us in fear of him. Now, there is a scripture that says fear the Lord, but that's the, if you look up the original word involved there, it's reverence. Be in awe of him. This is don't be frightened. Don't be scared. Why? Because just like Mary, these shepherds had found grace in the eyes of God. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, not just a few, all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. 
just in case you were having problems deciphering who it was. It was the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And he's been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this side. And you'll find the baby wrapped snugly, swaddled in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Again, the Lord plans this down to the most minute detail. And the shepherds said to each other, let's go. Get up. Now, we got to go. Contrast that with what people do sometimes when they hear about the Lord. They do nothing. In Matthew chapter 2, the account of the birth of Christ is on this manner, that the wise men came and they were seeking the one that was born king of the Jews. They had managed to, through Daniel's writings and his prophecies, they realized that There was a prophecy that there would be a star out of Jacob, a star out of Israel, that would rise and let them know that the Messiah had been born, the king of the Jews. And they started traveling. They got to somewhere down the line, the star disappeared. And so they started asking people, and they said, the person in the know ought to be King Herod, because he's the king of the Jews. And so they went to him and said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? And he didn't know, so he called in all the chief priests and the scribes, and he said, where is the king of the Jews going to be born? And they said, bada boom, bada ping, we got the answer to this one. I guess he could have said A, B, or C, or D. Give them a 50-50, a call if they needed it. They didn't need a call. They knew right where it was. And they said it's going to be in Bethlehem. And they actually quoted the prophecy to him. But then you know what they did? They went back home. Not, it, it, the answer, having the answer in and of itself became the end of the problem. It wasn't knowing the answer, and this is hallelujah, that means that the Savior's born, and we better go see about this. The very people who should have been the most excited about it, the church, were the ones that were some of the least excited about it overall. These shepherds saw this angel, and the angel said, we bring you good news of great joy to all people. And what was their response? We got to go see about this. And so they pack up, and if these shepherds were the ones that were in the, in the pasture of Migdal, and maybe that that Mary and them were staying at that at at the stable that was there. It it may not have been a very long journey, maybe a mile or so. Probably, probably could have seen it afar off. And yet they decided we've got to go see this. We got to go check this out. We've got to we got to see what what this angel's talking about. What the Lord's doing. So they said, "Let us go to Bethlehem. Let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about." And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger, just a little parenthetical statement, just like they they were told he would be. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everybody about what had happened and what the angel had said about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks because they had work to do, glorifying and praising God for all 
they had seen, heard and seen, and it was just as the angel had told them. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and ministry of his word this morning. We prayed earlier. But my thought this morning is, who would you pick? Who would you pick? If you were capable of doing something for mankind that would change this world forever. Maybe you were a philanthropist and you had unlimited resources and and you just wanted to do something to help people out. Maybe you had made a discovery that that would cure some horrible disease and... All of a sudden you say, well, I I don't really want to make anything off of this. I'm already of great means. We've already determined that you were unlimited in resources. And you say, I just want to help people. Who would you pick to be the person to represent what you've done? In this day and time, we live in some crazy times, y'all. I was listening to something uh, not too awfully long ago, and it was contrasting 10 years ago, one decade, 10 years. How many of you are over 10 years old? Most of us. You think about the differences in how things were 10 years ago versus today. Computers, technology of all kinds, cell phones, uh, Social media, iPads, tablets of all kinds. All that stuff has come to pass in the last decade or so. People had cell phones before, but not everybody. And uh, if you had one in some areas, you still couldn't use it because you didn't have coverage. (laughs) There was a a great period of time where we lived up in Kentucky that you could use it in town, but, uh, you know, out in the countryside, there just was no service. You You couldn't use it, even if you had it. Might be able to walk to the highest hill and get a little bit of, get one bar of signal. But ultimately, there has been a tremendous change in technology in the last 10 years. And with that technology has uh, brought a great change in our society. Social media. And the technology of, you know, we used to, if you were going to watch news or something, you had to go watch your television, you could listen to it on the radio, but now, gosh, we could, we could bring it up, and there's several people in here, but we could probably get a hundred different newscasts right here just in, within a matter of seconds. If I said, I want you to bring up your news forecast, or I mean, not, not the new forecast, but your news channel or whatever, Drudge or whatever, uh, most of you could have it up within 30 seconds. Technology is an awesome thing, and I am all about technology, so don't, don't think that I'm about to disrespect technology. But what it has done is change our society so much, and, and because it's happened incrementally and we've been a part of it, we don't realize how much it's changed. Who would you pick to represent what you've done? God here has changed the world, bringing good news of great joy And it's going to help all people. Would you have picked the stinky shepherds? Today's society, we want to pick somebody of notoriety. We want to pick somebody that's that's well-known for whatever. 
This, we live in a day and a time whenever Hollywood and the actors there feel like we want their opinions. I said feel like. <laughs> they don't realize we pay them to act in movies. Period. <laughs> in my opinion. That's just my humble opinion. I don't care what they think about world politics. I don't care what they think about anything really. Uh, and they probably don't care what I think either. The fact is, I'm almost sure of it. In fact, I'm almost sure that most of them have never heard of me. But what I'm telling you is, today, if you had to just sit down and think about, who do I want to represent me? Think about an actor. Oh, yeah, that'd be just great. You know, get this certain so-and-so and so-and-so to represent what I'm doing. It'd be a great voice. Oh, but wait a minute. Uh, let's check their Twitter feed. Just this last week, if you keep up with the news at all, there was, uh, I think it was the Academy Awards, wasn't it? Had a comedian that was going to be the MC for their night of awards and everything. And Oops! 2001! He made a, a, a joke about some group of people, and, and all of a sudden, that blew up! Blew up, and he ended up... He started out saying, I've already apologized about that. I'm not going to apologize again. And they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. And then the Academy Awards got him. Of course, none of us have ever said or done anything that we would. What if the Lord looked at our Twitter feed or our Facebook of life? <laughs> anybody ever done anything said anything acted a certain way that you would think um oh, maybe i wouldn't be in the running for the spokesperson nobody besides me thank you thank you for sticking me out the thing that i want you to understand is how much differently the lord perceives us perceives people Isaiah 55, uh, Isaiah says, His ways are not our ways, and His thoughts are not our thoughts. His plans are not our plans. See, in this day and time, we'd think about some, some Hollywood actor, or we would think about some politician. No, never mind. <laughs> we'd think about somebody that was a, of notoriety of some sort, somebody that was a household name, somebody that could go out there and speak about what we have done, our philanthropical endeavor that we have undertaken to do that's going to help mankind. We would want somebody that could go out there and put it out there really, really, really boldly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I've, I've told you all, the, the, the life in this nation has changed. This last, the, not the last election, but the one before that, changed this world forever. It will forever be a social media society, and there will forever be all this denigrating talk back and forth. Both sides are involved in that. It has forever changed our polite society to one that's not going to be very polite social media-wise. People get really bold when they're not face-to-face. -face. People get on there and they'll, they'll all the twits will tweet. <laughs> and they get so bold and they'll say stuff that they would never say to you personally. <laughs> Merle said because they'd get knocked out. <laughs> Probably so. 
But I'm just telling you, you think about how our world has changed. And so, here's the deal. Reckon, reckon those shepherds that the Lord picked, my cable's getting a little tight here, i got to loosen it up just a little. But you reckon those shepherds had never done anything that they were ashamed of? You reckon that those shepherds had somehow presented themselves differently than the rest of mankind? That I mean, they're out there. Anybody ever dealt with sheep at all? Been around them? They're, they're little fluffy pillows and they smell like roses, don't they? No. <laughs> no, they don't. If you have never been around a sheep, think your, your nasal passages will thank you because they are some of the stinkiest animals. I mean, if you think pigs stink, I think sheep are worse. Derek agrees. There was, uh, my grandfather ran a little welding shop that I started working with him whenever I was 10, and there was a guy that moved into that area. Uh, Kentucky's not really known for sheep herding. But there was a guy that moved into that area, and he was going to raise sheep. Now, out west, if you talk about raising sheep, all the cattle farmers know exactly, because nothing will follow a sheep. So the saying goes, and I understand why. This guy started this... Uh, it was like a, a breeder type thing. And so sometimes he would have problems, something to get broke or bent or whatever, the feed system, or, and we'd have to go out there and cut a bearing off or replace a shaft. And I'm telling you what, those sheep were the stinkingest things I've ever been around. And so you need not think that these shepherds were just out there and, and never got any stink on them or that they were perfect people and had never done anything. And I, and I was thinking about this whenever I was reading this and kind of getting ready for the Christmas season. I thought, who would, who would pick these guys? Who would pick these stinky shepherds, simple shepherds? Some of them, you know, David was a shepherd. He was well-educated. Most, most of the Jewish people could read and write, but for the most part, they would have been considered uneducated. They would have been considered outcasts because in, in the Jewish customs, you had to be clean. And let me tell you, when you're around the sheep, you're not going to be clean. So by all the standards that there would have been for that day and today, they would have been the outcasts. They would have been the ones that people would have crossed over the street, the other side of the street, to, to walk by them on the sidewalk. And God picked them. So it lets us know that what Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, our, our, his plans are not our plans. Then you have to look at it. Why did he pick the shepherds? Why were they the people group that he chose to first share the greatest news that mankind had ever heard, good news of great joy to all people? What does it mean to us? Glad you asked. Number one, it means that God is no respecter of persons. We're all lost and undone. That the greatest philanthropical idea that was ever given was Jesus Christ, and it was to cure a disease. It was the disease called sin. I, back to Isaiah again. Isaiah says we're all infected from birth with sin. Not one person righteous, not one person just, not one person capable of getting to God on their own 
We're all lost and undone. We are all stinky shepherds. Look at the person next to you and go, you don't have to say anything other than that. <laughs> See, sometimes we want to put on airs. We want, to, we want to act like we've got our act all together. We want to act like we're the one person that never did anything wrong, and I'll guarantee you we've all done it. And whether we did it or not, we were infected from birth. And so ultimately, it comes down to this. It means that God doesn't care. God is the one person in this world that says that your past does not have to dictate your future. And he brought this. I, th- I think it was just a snub it, it, to, to, the, to the religious crowd that knew all the answers but cared not enough to go and see. You don't want to come and see. I'm going to show it to somebody that will come and see. Some stinky shepherd. Some people that you look down on, some people that you have no respect for, some people that you would not walk across the street to help them, and I bring them good news of great joy, and it's going to be to all the people. So it means that God is no respecter of persons. It, uh, it means that we don't have to be afraid anymore. Because how many of us would want to face judgment without Christ? without Christ why because we would be afraid very very afraid to stand before God without everything erased without everything covered up without everything being gone he says I put your sins as far as the east is from the west tossed into the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered again That should have got a big amen from several of us, me included. Thank God my sins are gone. You hear me say that every time we do communion. When I hold up that cup that represents his blood that erased my sin, I cannot help but say, thank God my sins are gone. Because we're stinky shepherds. We are the very people that, that... in the scheme of things because we weren't Jewish because we weren't in the know we weren't the people that God chose we would have been on the outside looking in and yet he says I don't have any respect for the person it's all about the heart so what did they do that deserved this number one we've already talked about it they didn't go home they cared enough to go and see and then they, they, they talked about it everywhere they went. There's twice in there that it says, and they told everybody about what had happened. They, whenever they get to the site, and there's the baby swaddled lying in a manger, and they said, what the angel told us is true. Let me tell you what just happened. There was an angel appeared to us out in the field and said, I bring you good news and great joy to all people. Go and see. Unbelievable. And then on their way home, they continue to talk about it. That's the one thing God has asked us to do. Talk about him. Tell people about him. And then the third thing that made the difference, why God chose those people. One, he was no respecter of persons. Two, they talked about it. And number three, and this was the biggest thing, they worshiped. They came and such as they were, they fell down and worshiped the King of Kings. 
You know, that's not very hard to do. First one's on God. Second one's on us. And the third one, I think, is a product when we realize who God is, we cannot help but worship Him.